Hi, everybody. Hi. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming to our New Year's show. Yes. Welcome to the Drew Barrymore Show Weekly Recap Podcast. Yes. My name is Abby Sullivan. 2021. It's New Year's. We made it. We still got a ways to go, but but we, we made it this far. So let's celebrate that. I know I made it this far personally with a little bit of help from the Drew Barrymore Show. Getting up every morning, watching the show, made huge chunks of quarantine go by a lot faster. And I'm grateful to it for that. You might have heard this episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, the Drew Barrymore Show is still on holiday hiatus, as they should. Can't wait to see uh, what they come up with when they come back. I know the week after their Thanksgiving break, they were in top form. That was one of my favorite weeks on the show. So I'm really excited for it to come back next week. I also start back at work next week, which means... <laughs> I'll have a little bit less time to be putting into this podcast, but I will still be making it because, I mean, I'll be watching the show, so why not recap it? This episode, since we don't have any new Drew Barrymore episodes to recap, I'll be recapping the making of the Drew Barrymore show. Now, this is a YouTube documentary um, that the show has put up. It kind of uh, delves into the the ground up building of this show, and it's really cool. I feel like it was made for me, so that's what we're gonna talk about today, and I'm really excited to get into it. If you're interested in TV and how TV is made, like I am, this is the episode for you, and I highly recommend you look it up on YouTube, The Making of the Drew Barrymore Show. It's really cool. I mean, especially, like, I, I was kind of thinking about, like, what drew me to the show in the first place. Like, why did I start watching it and kind of reflecting back on that? And it wasn't that I like morning shows. I never watch morning shows, even when I do magically have the time. Uh, they're just not for me. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I'm a total night owl. I hate, I hate the like upbeat chipperness, fake happy of morning shows. I, I just don't like it. So I've never really been into them. And it wasn't even necessarily Drew. Like before the show started, I mean, I, I guess I would call myself a fan. I've, I'd seen things she was in. I, I mean, this is what I'd seen before I started watching the show. I'd seen E.T. when I was little, Fever Pitch, Whip It, of course, Santa Clarita Diet. And I'd seen her SNL episodes, but that's it. And I love all of those things, but it's not like I was like some sort of rabid super fan. Like I need to watch the Drew Barrymore show because just because, you know, and I, I, I guess going back, like technically the first thing that drew me to the show was seeing compilations of Drew being Drew on Twitter. So I guess that could be um, one of the reasons I started watching, but I'm really fascinated with how TV shows are adapting to the pandemic, like in general. I'm working on a show that's had to do that. Um, and I think it's just like, it's terrible, but it's cool in, in terms of like innovation. And getting to see that firsthand has been really cool. I, I remember the first time I saw, saw on a screen how the pandemic was affecting TV production when it was when I was watching The Politician. I think in the last episode, there's a scene, it's a com conversation between Gwyneth Paltrow's character and Judith Light's character, and it's a FaceTime call. And I remember just being like, what is, like, I, I forgot kind of for a second, and I was like, what is happening? Like, they literally had to film this scene in their respective homes over FaceTime. And I just thought that was, like, really interesting. So kind of what hooked me into the show following that, I mean, that came out in June. 
was what the show was going to look like. Because it was brand new, what it looked like, how it did things. And that, I mean, that's still true, how it does things. And so when I think about the first time I tuned into the Drew Barrymore show, a very fateful day for me, one that I have never turned back from, really I just wanted to see what the fuck was going on. I wanted to see what was happening, what it looked like, what they were doing, how they were doing it. I wanted to try to piece together in my mind how this was all working. And this documentary that I'm about to recap really helps me to do that, put the pieces together. Um, so I, I don't know. I, the TV fanatic in me just loves this. So this documentary is broken up into four episodes that are roughly, give or take, 10 minutes long, 40 minutes total. So instead of starting with Monday, like we usually do on the Drew Barrymore Show Weekly Recap Podcast, this week we're starting with episode one. Hi, I'm Drew Barrymore, and I want to welcome you to episode one of The Making Of. Um, I, I associate rejection with a filet o fish. Coronavirus is exactly like having a baby. It's kind of clear from the beginning that this um, documentary is going to be a lot of behind the scenes looks at how the show was made. Um, a lot of footage that they put together and collected during the process of like building the show. I think the best way to do that is to peel back the curtain and bring you in because what happens behind the scenes, I think, is sometimes even more important than what you see out in front. Whoa. Hang on. Was that a little dig at Ellen, perhaps? A little Ellen dig? I don't know, but um, in my mind, yes, it was. It is our responsibility to meet this moment. It was the how that was challenging. Put halogen or a can light on top of the head. Thank yeah. you, Mitchell, yep. so much. To do You're also killing yourself at a thousand miles an hour um, with a group of people not knowing if it's gonna work. I really loved this whole section of the documentary because it showed Drew like being very hands-on with the entire process, which I think is cool and, you know, the talent doesn't have to be, but she obviously wants a show to succeed, and I think that shows, like, always. So it's cool. It was a fun little insight. And then, also, they show a lot of footage of the original unaired pilot, which is what was put together to kind of sell the show to CBS. And it looks like such a normie morning show. So this happened, they say, in August 2019, so obviously well before the pandemic hit. Even just seeing what the set looks like back then, I know I wouldn't have watched that show, which I think is I think is really interesting. You know, I, I've talked about before, I'm not really the target audience for the more morning showy aspects of the Drew Barrymore show as it exists today. You know, when they talk about like mom stuff and like, I mean, stuff that people like, but I can't relate to. So it's just not for me. And I understand that. Why I am here is for the way it subverts the medium, the way it innovates, the way it does stuff outside the box. And that includes even little things. Like you think about like her desk. In the, in the shot of her Drew's news desk pre-COVID, it was totally clean. There was nothing on it. The Drew's news desk today, as it stands, covered with clutter. The way I would imagine Drew Barrymore's desk probably <laughs> looks at home. Just covered with books and newspapers. It's like very dynamic and interesting to look at. And it's different. I mean, no other... Who else would do that? I don't know. 
um, you know, like the quote unquote weird stuff is what I like and it's present in the set even, but it wasn't for the pilot. So I thought that was um, really interesting. And then the crying starts. I never knew we would be launching a talk show at the same time no one will come out to go to a talk show. How do we get around that? I've like hit another wall. And I know I'll find my way out of it again. I always do. And then more crying happens because she's showing the director of this documentary her office. And she starts talking about how happy she is to have a desk because this is her first office job ever. And she's so excited about this desk and it reminds me of that clip from Spongebob. She's forgotten what it's like to live on the outside, to not be in prison. Coming to bed, honey? Yes, dear. Nobody tell Nickelodeon I used that audio, okay? We'll keep it between us, thank you. Um, and when I walked in the office, I just started to cry because I totally had my working girl fantasy. I am excited to not play a character, to just get to be me. Um, I'm excited to take all the things I've learned along the way and apply it to this new job where I do get to be myself. Cue the Carly Simon music. Let me explain to you what she's wearing in this clip because I know you can't see it, but I want you to feel like you can see it, okay? So she's standing in this empty office that hasn't, doesn't even have, it doesn't have anything in it except for this desk <laughs> that she's waxing poetic about and sobbing about. She's wearing a blue Michigan, generic looking Michigan sweatshirt with the sleeves rolled up. She's wearing sweatpants. She's wearing work boots, a bracelet, a huge Rolex, and around her neck is a little heart pendant necklace, very cute. And also, on a longer chain, the key to the Playboy Mansion. Kind of how I see this process is, I hosted Saturday Night Live for the first time in 1982 in New York, and I, remember being in the offices in Monday morning you go in and you sit in the office it's usually Lauren it's Lauren Michaels office and all the cast and the writers and everybody sits on the floor and Lauren sits at his desk and it's a small office it's not bigger than this it might even be smaller than this and Everybody piles in and you all feel like puppies together. So when I saw this room, it just made me think of Lauren Michaels and Saturday Night Live really is a training ground for me. And it's so community and it's so personal. And like I said, you just feel like a pile of puppies. So this will be our Lauren Michaels office. I'm just gonna include this whole, whole sound bite because I am such a nerd for this stuff. And I was thinking recently, Actually, I think my first real exposure to Drew was through SNL, where I really, real I mean, I had seen E.T. when I was little, but I didn't know, like, who Drew Barrymore was. But I knew who Drew Barrymore was when I was in middle school and watched every single episode of SNL in order. So, yes, that was my first exposure to Drew. It was a good one. And I, I, I like this clip, too, because SNL is probably 
her only reference point or comparison she really had for this kind of show. This just go, 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 fast-paced kind of environment. I mean, that's how these shows that air daily operate. I was also thinking recently, sort of related, she would have made a phenomenal late-night host. If this had been a late-night show, I think, I mean, I would be even more in love with it. But I don't think it would have been possible. One, depending on the time slot, it could have competed with Jimmy Fallon, The Tonight Show, which would have been weird because her business partner in Flower Films is Jimmy Fallon's wife. So maybe that would have been a thing. I don't know. But then also, late night shows with women always get canceled, which sucks. It sucks, but it always happens. That's just like what history tells us. So I think um, it would not have lasted long. I think it would have been like extra doomed. Um, but I, I think it would have been really good, <laughs> like a critic darling. Because she's so funny, and I wish she could swear on the show, but she can't. Okay, on to episode two. Are you kidding me? We're in a pandemic. I love Zoom. I hate traffic. This episode starts to focus in a little bit more on the technological aspects of the show, especially how it adapted. The set for the pandemic and the kind of restrictions that created and I think kind of their most well-known innovation that they created um, is the green screen interview. So it looks like when you're watching they're in the same room with each other it looks like a normal just so normal like a regular morning show talk show interview. Drew's on one side, interviewee is on the other side and they're just chatting but really the other person is being green screened into the show from their other studio in LA while Drew is in her studio in New York City. This has been, I mean, it's been profiled in Variety. Oprah has taken this technology and used it for one of her interviews, I think with Barack Obama. But what this documentary was showing me is that is just one small piece of the entire puzzle. And there's so much more going on that gives this show the natural feel that the other morning shows do not have right now. Screens. I want big screens. I've always loved Blade Runner. When you first see whatever that place is that Ridley Scott created, I just think it's so timeless and cool. And you're like, okay, screens are the sizes of buildings. This is so compelling. So I said, we need big screens. The comparison of this show to Blade Runner is probably my favorite thing in this documentary. <laughs> the Drew Barrymore show is exactly like Blade Runner. Come on, of course it is. But jokes aside, I think as a viewer, she is absolutely correct. I think she was 100% right about this because if you think about like, well, when I think about other shows, daily shows, how they've been doing the audience, how they've been doing interviews... They've been using kind of like just rectangular monitors that are small. They look like giant phone screens. Um, the first time I saw the Ellen DeGeneres show, how they were adapting, quote unquote, to, to this pandemic, it was like they replaced seats in the audience with vertical monitors and it looked so dystopian that it like made my stomach turn. It just looked so weird and took me right out of it. And in other shows, too, I've seen, like, James Corden, when he interviews a guest, they're just, it's not immersive. He, they're, the guest is where the guest chair normally would be, again, but it's just a vertical monitor. And it doesn't look, it's not immersive. And in the Drew Barrymore show set, 
There are literally screens everywhere. The background of the Drew's news set is a screen that's changeable and alive, and it kind of just brings you into this world so you don't even notice that there's anything different happening. And I think that is what makes a difference. I think the fact that when she interviews the guest, the guest is on a screen that's, you know, the ratio of a TV so that they can cut back and forth from the studio to the um, the interviewee very seamlessly. Um, but it also just looks like it just creates the world of the show in a way that looks natural. Um, so I do think <laughs> that that concept of the big screens works so well for this purpose. And I think it was a really smart move. And it is like Blade Runner. Where's Harrison Ford? Okay, on to episode three. My God! Well, I think that's what they call a drop the mic moment. (laughs) Now, I know you were afraid there wasn't going to be enough crying in this episode, but don't worry, the crying continues. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's just so amazing. So, it's been a little tough as far as getting things in here, but just a couple curveballs. <laughs> she really likes it. <laughs> this was from when Drew first saw the completed stage. Now, when talking about the technological advancements of this show drew had this to say old school and i am not technological and i am very much a girl but this moment has made me become someone that i never thought i could be let alone would be which is someone who sought out every technological advancement why did she say it like that oh i'm a girl So I don't know anything about technology. I don't understand that. What does that mean? Overall, episode three was rife with delicious BTS footage. They showed the making of that promo that came out before the show started airing, um, where Drew's on The Tonight Show interviewing her younger self. Please welcome Drew Barrymore. I've been waiting all my life to meet you. It's been a wild ride. Can you believe I have two daughters around your age? Kind of scary. I have so much to fill you in on. Want to hear about our new daytime show? I'd love to. We're going to spend an hour every day celebrating life. Oh. I'm so excited. I could scream. Want to do it with me? Guys ready? I still think that's like one of the best TV promos I've ever seen because not only, I mean, it taps into people's nostalgia and it's like cool to see side by side, but it's also an incredible preview of the kind of technology they're going to be employing on the show itself. So I just think it's worth mentioning. We always will find our way to comedy. That's the thing because we need it. Comedy is not frivolous. Comedy is a medicinal drug-like thing that we need. I think it might be one of the most transportive things we have as human beings. Um, When I'm laughing, maybe for that second everything will be okay. Maybe it's as simple as that, but that's very powerful at the same time. It's all gonna be okay. I guess comedy just makes me feel like it's all gonna be okay. What? How did Drew get my college admissions essay? 
that is essentially like word for word what my college admissions essay was about and what it said. <laughs> All right, episode four, the finale. So I guess that means I'm on time. Yes, ma'am. Omar? Yeah. Live. From New York. Um, this episode opens with Drew having a breakdown. And I'm not joking. It is so heartbreaking. I wasn't going to include it, but I think I'm going to because if you listen to this clip and you don't <laughs> immediately start watching the Drew Barrymore show to support this woman, then you're a monster. You're an absolute monster. And I... <laughs> I don't want to know you. Yeah. For a second, can you guys shut that door? Yeah. Someone shut that door. Yeah, here. <clears throat> um. Um. I am really struggling. With. Just I. Have going on in my head about how much I dislike myself as a human being. And I just, I, this is really hard. I'm trying so hard to be on time and I just, I over talk and I share things that make people uncomfortable. And then everybody's like, oh, we need you on the floor. And it just, oh, I, I, I hate the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Here's the thing. And I'm going to start a talk show in, uh, I, I'm, you have Drew, if you're listening, you are perfect. I think you share the exact right amount. I, I would like to, I, I think you could share more. I want to know what kind of bird you have, for example, and what his name is. And if that makes anyone uncomfortable, that's on them. Katrina. Enjoy the go. Who's Katrina. Trina's never explained. She's just a woman in Drew's house that's helped. She might be a trainer, but she was maskless. Does she live there? And then to wrap things up, kind of put a bow around this documentary, they show um, the Zoom meeting with like a lot of people in it, probably the producers. And it, it looks like at the end of each meeting, a different person has to share words of wisdom. All right, words of wisdom to take us into the night. And who has it? I, I will give you the words of wisdom. A brief moment of clarity says. The wisdom that have carried me through life. I'll make it super quick. I Never miss a good opportunity. And so this is the word, the quote that I picked out. Ah, that is fantastic. Baby, you'll move mountains and will you succeed? Hello, everyone. My words of wisdom are from Big Boy, from Of Big Boy's Neighborhood. When you become successful, you're going to get busy. Stay busy, but never be too busy. Every morning when my grandmother would wake up and she would have an orange for breakfast, she would stop in the moment before she would peel the orange. And she would say, at this moment, this orange has not seen the light of day. And that's what our show is right now. It's the orange. You get to cherish this moment where other people haven't seen that orange that's gonna be in the light of day for everyone to see. We get to treasure this, we get to hold this close to us, and then we get to peel that orange and everyone else gets to enjoy it. Two things. One, 
They should give that orange guy a raise. That was incredible. He should be like a guest on the show just to talk about that orange. It was wonderful. Um, and two, I know I've said I want to work on this show, and I do. But the thought of having to do that, to come up with non-dumb words of wisdom to share with Drew Barrymore and all of the other producers on Zoom... Even just thinking about that hypothetically is giving me an anxiety attack. Like, I have to step away for a second. Okay, I'm back. Well, this has been the Drew Barrymore Show Weekly Recap Podcast Special New Year's Day Edition. Happy 2021. And that has been the making of the Drew Barrymore Show. Thank you for tuning in. This is our first show of the new year. Um, as far as I know, the Drew Barrymore Show will be back next week with all new episodes. And I'm very, very pumped. I'm very excited to see what they have come up with. So, I will see you guys here once again next week. Oh, and you can find my socials at TDBS Weekly Recap. I always forget.